Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reconciliation Bible Studies, a podcast made to help you and I be encouraged and grow in grace in our relationship with God and seek after the things of the Bible and get into the Word together. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving break. And um, I hope that everything's going well in regards to your final schedule for those of us in school. Um, thanks for bearing with me on this, uh, I don't know, <laughs> unconventional upload schedule. The last two episodes weren't on Fridays, but I want to do my best to make that a regularity. Um, but this episode will not have video since I'm not at the LA library. In fact, I'm at home using a different microphone, so we'll see how this one works out. But thank you for joining nonetheless. I'm, I'm glad uh, we're able to be a blessing to you. And I'm glad you're tuning in. Um, I was able to spend Thanksgiving with a classmate of mine, Julio. And him and his family invited me over. And we had a great time. So I hope you ate good food and spent time with your loved ones and enjoyed that. And without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into the word. Um, on last uh, episode, the last full Bible study, we talked about how the Bible is the filter of truth and how we must find what we believe in through the Bible. And that was a continuation on the lesson, the lens of the Bible. But we're going to be going in a little bit of a different direction for this one. Um, today, I just feel led to talk about the hope and mercy we can find in God and how he's not done with you or or me. God's not done with us and we can find mercy and we have a hope that he is faithful to what he has written. So I want to bring our attention to Lamentations chapter 3 verses 19 through 24. In the New King James it says, Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. Those last two verses in the Amplified Classic read, um, actually the last three, starting at verse 22. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we fail not, or that we are not consumed, excuse me, because his tender compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. The Lord is my portion or share, says my living being, my inner self. Therefore, I will hope in him and wait expectantly for him. The Bible declares that the mercies of God are new every morning and that his faithfulness is great. 
We read this in the book of Lamentations, which is an Old Testament book. But this isn't an expired promise or once upon a time for a particular group of people. But because it's in God's word, it's safe to say that we can be partakers of the same promise today, even in this New Testament day. The book of Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 8, declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yes, while there is a new covenant and new covenant promises that even the prophets foretold and looked forward to, we can still have a hope in the promise of God's mercies being new every morning. Remember, again, we talked and emphasized about how important the Bible is in our walks. And a verse mentions how it's forever settled in heaven. I believe it's in the Psalms. And not only that, but according to Jesus' words himself, not mine, heaven and earth will not pass away until all the law is fulfilled, which I'm going to read Matthew 5.18 in the Passion Translation. Indeed, I assure you, this is Matthew 5.18, as long as heaven and earth endure, not even the smallest detail of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. Be assured yourself, not just, you know, read about it and then just kind of, you know, think and brush it off your shoulder, but personally be assured that God's mercies are new every morning and they're extended to you and I today. It's Again, it's not a, an expired promise or once upon a time because every single day is a new opportunity to seek God or to get closer to God. Um, there's a verse that says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If God allowed us to wake up and he created the day, I, I'm going to take that opportunity of mercy to seek after him myself and not just go through the motions. But the reality is that does happen to us sometimes in our walks. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But... Again, be assured that His mercies are new every morning. Um, we read that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But that's not the same way our human nature behaves. We can't really say the same thing for our day-to-day -day lives where we think or we wake up the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um I mean, you, you hear that phrase that sometimes people wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Sometimes I wake up and I don't want to talk or I'm just in a bad mood. But even in the days where our flesh gets in the way of pursuing God and it feels hard to walk with Him, that is a new mercy. We can hold Him to, to the mercy that is new. But in the nature of our flesh, we have to deny that part of ourselves. We have to deny our flesh. Remember, we have to deny ourselves daily or deny ourselves, take up your cross daily and follow him. And this 
includes but isn't limited to denying the nature of your flesh, which is Ephesians 2.3 calls by nature. We're the children of wrath, which is another Bible study for another day. But we're born in the nature of, of, um, I, of flesh and sin. And the Bible calls us by nature children of wrath. So we have to acknowledge that. We have to push past the veil of our flesh in order to see God in the Spirit. I mean, his word, John, John wrote in, or records Jesus saying in John 4, that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This means that, you know, even if I'm going through the motions of my flesh, is it really me doing the worship if it's through the ability of my flesh and me just going through the motions and I'm not being true about my worship? Let's just pose that question and and reflect and ask ourselves if there have been times where we're just going through the motions and we're really not sincerely seeking God, but rather we're just fulfilling an obligation or we're fulfilling some kind of duty to the people around us. Again, whether you acknowledge it or not, we're naturally the children of wrath, even as others. I mean, in Ephesians 2, it says that, in the context of that, it says we all lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body. That doesn't exclude you or me. It would be hypocritical if I'm inclined to believe that I've never walked in, um, what does it read? In the passions of my flesh or carrying out the desires of the body. I would be hypocritical to, to stand here or sit here and say that that's not the case for me ever in my life. Because that's... um. It it's, doesn't exclude anyone. I mean, we read in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I would even submit that it would be hypocritical to claim that I don't struggle with anything when I'm still confined to this human flesh in this life. I mean, that's another common denominator each and every one of us has is that we're confined to flesh until our bodies are glorified. And let me tell you, that's not happening in this life. We don't live in glorified bodies where we don't, we no longer have to die out to our flesh or the Bible records mortify the deeds of the flesh. But God has ordained a way out for us to be free from the lifestyle that is the flesh. It's only thanks to the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. I mean, the same chapter, Ephesians 2, we go 10 verses later. It says, In Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why is that? His words, again, Jesus' words, this is red letter, John fifteen five. He says, without me, you can do nothing. 
So how am I supposed to believe that through my own human ability? I, again, through my ability, can free myself from the nature of the flesh and sin. The Bible declares that the wages of sin is death. But when people say that Jesus paid the price on the cross, what what does that mean? He paid it with his blood that he shed on the cross. The Bible calls him the the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Because it was absolutely the will of God for him to be crucified on that cross without sin. It records in Hebrews 4. He was an innocent lamb. We see the types of that in the Old Testament. So when he's saying, without me, you can do nothing, it's relevant to our walks today in finding mercy today because he paid the wage of sin with the blood. Um, I believe it's in Leviticus 17.11. Let me go there. Leviticus 17.11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. So, uh, what's the opposite of the wage of sin being death? The life being in the blood. That's the way God has ordained for us to be free from the lifestyle of sin. Um, I didn't even read that verse in Ephesians 2. I, no way, no, I did. Uh, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus paid the price on the cross with his blood so that grace would be extended toward us. I mean, I, I always mention this verse to the people who speak to me frequently, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. How? Because he, he came to do the will of the Father, which is to bring us the grace and truth by means of the blood. Now, just because we have that extended to us, just because we have grace and truth, just because the Lord's mercies are new every morning, doesn't mean we should live with a mentality saying that if I don't sin, then Christ died for nothing, which is genuinely something I've heard before. And I, I don't know what to say. If I don't sin, then Christ died for nothing. Now we begin to to stand on the line of frustrating grace and having a license to sin when that's not the case. Paul wrote in Romans, Romans 6, 1, uh, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, how shall we that are dead, in, dead to sin, excuse me, live any longer therein or in other words how are we that are dead to ourselves continue to live in sin when supposedly we're crucified with Christ Paul wrote in Gal- to the Galatian church uh, brethren you've been called to liberty but don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another The grace of God isn't just for us to continue to live in sin and say, you know, God still loves me and I don't need to change. And, you know, if I change and that's works, which is another Bible study. But being transformed by the renewing of your mind 
biblically is our reasonable service. And the only person who can do that is God. Again, not by your own ability, but because of what he's done already. Because of the price he paid to bring you near. Uh, we're supposed to be renewed, um, be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Bible says. Which, um, in the English Standard Version, it says, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's grace is there to empower us to do what is right when no one is looking. And to catch us when we do make mistakes. Because inevitably, we're going to make mistakes. That's, that's um, again, part of your human nature of being a children of wrath. Um, the question then becomes, you know, how do I avoid these mistakes? Or when, when these mistakes happen, do I learn from it? Or do I sulk in my pity party and then indulge in my in my sin or indulge in my flesh because, oh, well, I already sinned and the mercy is new every morning, so might as well finish out today. No. By definition, according to um, the Greek, the word sin is literally missing the mark. It's not... Um, as some might say, you know, this laundry list of do's and don'ts, but it, it's missing the mark in, in your flesh. And by the nature of your flesh, you will also at some point be tempted. And we'll get into this. But it's not the temptation that's the sin, but it's the action we take when we're tempted. And where's the proof of that? James one thirteen, and we're going to start there, read two verses and move on. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, again, God doesn't tempt with evil, neither tempts he any man. Think about it like this, if it's God living through us, how can God tempt himself with a sin he's already overcome? We'll continue verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, or your own desire. Then when lust or that desire has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished brings forth death again the wages of sin is what death so it's again not a laundry list of do's and don'ts but at some point according to verse 14 we just read every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust but then it becomes a matter of what do i do in that moment what do I do when when I am tempted in some way? Or I, I, I am being drawn away to my desire. What do I do then? Am I going to put on the mind of Christ and die out to that nature? Or am I going to go back to being by nature the children of wrath? 
or by nature uh, fulfilling the former conversation of our flesh. Because again, that's missing the mark. Even in that moment, let's say, okay, let's say, let's say you miss the mark. Let's say you mess up. Let's say you fall. Don't you, again, don't use that as an occasion to the flesh. But it should be in that moment where you say, you know what? I did miss the mark. I did sin. But Lord, you promised me that I can ask for forgiveness and cleanse, and you will cleanse me from unrighteousness. I mean, we read that His mercies are new every morning and that His faithfulness is great. There's no coincidence in the verbatim that John writes in his epistle when he writes, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. The same verbatim we read when Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations that... um, Great is his faithfulness. Yeah, great is your faithfulness. Uh, Verse Lamentations 3.23. The same verbatim John uses here when he says he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. But we have to die out to our flesh and die out to that perverted mentality that tells us if I don't sin, then God died for nothing. Because even when we do fall short, we don't wait to ask for forgiveness. Okay, let's put let me give you an illustration. Let's say let's say I I don't know. Let's say I missed the mark and and it's six PM and then I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna go out for a drive, clear my head, blah blah blah. And I go out for a drive and God forbid a semi truck hits me on the freeway. Then what? then what that's a question to pose just because his mercies are new every morning doesn't mean we wait until the morning to ask for mercy again we must confess in the moments where we miss the mark why the proverb tells us a just man falls seven times but rises up again it's the wicked that fall into mischief. And again, we we read in another passage, that verse, by the way, is Proverbs 24, 16. But we read in another passage that the, the wicked won't inherit righteousness. Just because you're having a hard day or you wake up on the wrong side of bed or, or, or feel like you're being attacked spiritually doesn't mean you have that excuse to fall back into your your human nature of flesh or fall back into the nature of sin. It's in these times where we die out to ourself and we we see the most growth in our relationship when we make it through the trials because it's not by our ability, but it's by the grace God brought to us that we read in John 1.17, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Because again, Grace isn't just there to to pick you up when you mess up. Well, that is part of it. But grace is God's empowerment for you to do what is good when no one is around, when no one is looking, when you're on your own. 
That's the type of son God is looking for. And by son, I mention that as you and as an individual, where we all collectively are the bride. So, you as a son, God will not tempt you, but he will allow trials to happen in your life to see how you'll react to it. And it's not like we catch him by surprise when we mess up. But it's the mercy of God that we get a chance when we mess up to ask for forgiveness. It's the mercy of God that when we mess up, we can ask for forgiveness. And again, great is His faithfulness. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins. Yes, that's true. However, it would be wrong, plainly wrong, to believe that you know, every time I sin, you know, every time I miss the mark, every time I, um, I'm out of the will of God, I can just ask for forgiveness and, you know, I'm good. What, what insincere prayer is that? Praying a prayer of supposed repentance when I intend to go back to my sinful nature. When, again, repentance by definition is a change of mind. Is that a work of, of uh, is that works-based? No. It's the grace of God that allows you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we're to renew our mind from the nature of being a children of wrath, that also includes renewing our mind from how we see tribulation or the trials that we go through. And responding in a Christ-like way, instead of responding through our, our sinful nature and indulging in the lust of the flesh. I'm going to read Romans 5, uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 in the King James. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, what is that saying? Through Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into the grace of God and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is the same verbatim Jeremiah uses in Lamentations, where it says that the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. Lamentations uh, 3.24. In, in the beginning of that chapter, he's writing about all the things that happened to him and all the suffering that he was going through. But through it all, he says the Lord's mer- it's because of the Lord's mercies that are new every morning and his faithfulness that is great that he has hope or expectation in him in in the lord and god and in that same manner we almost see it paralleled in romans 5 when paul's writing romans 5 3 let's continue reading and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope 
And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Hope doesn't make ashamed or hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Because of what? The tribulation or the trial that worked patience. And patience worked experience. And experience worked hope. Hope in the Greek is not the same way we would use it in the sense of, oh, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow or I hope I get a raise. But hope in the Greek definition talks about uh, an expectation or confidence we can have. I believe it's a similar definition in the Hebrew when we read it in Lamentations. So the uh, the tribulations in our lives, the trials in our lives, work patience and they work in, to experience to produce an expectation that God is going to come through. And that's not only in regards to His mercy, but that's in regard to the promise of God that it's by His grace we walk, that we grow in grace, that it's God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure, not by our own ability, but thanks to the mercy of God that is new every morning. We now have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We, not just, again, not just a particular group of people, but this same access is available to you, to me, on a daily basis. We just have to hold God to His promises because it's a word that's forever settled in heaven. Don't think for a moment that your past has anything to do with God's um, redemption for you. Because he already paid the price of the innocent blood that was shed on Calvary. He is not done with you. You're not too far from him. We have mercy and we have an expectation. We have hope. We have an expectation that God is going to come through. Even in the middle of the fire, like we read in, I believe it's Daniel. Even in the middle of the fire, we can have an expectation that God is going to come through. Man, I <laughs> praise God. Well, meditate on the Lord's mercy this week. Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Let, let God know how you feel in your own individual prayer. Whether it's by uh, speaking in the language of your understanding or by praying in the Holy Ghost. Let God know how you feel.
in Jesus' name. Grow in grace and grow in knowledge. Thank you for joining us this week. God bless you. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week in in the studio, I believe. All right. Praise God. Have a great day.